Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, December 13th, 2018. We are here with the Mike Abadir Show. I'm Gino Bacola, and we are very happy you are listening again this week. So much to talk about right now. NFL Week 15 MLB Player Movement. We have the details on the Capital One College Bowl Mania. The Mike Abadir Show Pick'em Group that we will have. Um, we're going to have Saad Youssef on to talk some Dallas sports teams. He covers the Cowboys, the Mavs, the Stars, and the Rangers for the Athletics. So we'll talk about the surging Mavericks and the uh, the Cowboys. Mike is a little funny, and I'll, I'll we'll mention this when we have a uh, uh, sod on in a little bit. If you would have, if we would have had him on a month ago, like November, early November, November second, November fifth, we're looking at a Dallas team that is. Two and seven, the Mavericks, and we're looking at a Cowboys team that is three and five. Since then, it has been an unbelievable few weeks for Dallas. I mean, the Mavericks have really turned it around, and the Cowboys have become, you know, one of the top threats in the uh, in the NFL to make it to the Super Bowl. It has been quite a turnaround, and it's a great time for us to have sought on to talk some Dallas sports. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I was just going to ask you which one you felt was more surprising between the two. Now, you follow the NBA a lot closer than I do. You know, my bread and butter is the NFL. I follow it on a regular basis. To me, the, the Cowboys' resurgence or m- most recent surge has not been a surprise to me because I, I felt going into the season that they had the personnel. And sometimes it, it takes some time to well, put, get, put it together, right? But I'll, I'll argue that they didn't have the personnel. They made a move in the middle of the year that has changed their whole season, and that was Amari Cooper. Yeah, but I Amari mean, Cooper's not, you know, playing shutdown defense. Amari Cooper not he changed, kicking and punting. He, he is a dynamic of the offense most, com- most certainly. And, that, and that's the key because it allows your defense a little breathing room when you score. There, there, Here's there the are thing. Games. I, I think there's got to be a, a, a continue, like a perfect timing, you know, like the team was getting it together and that trade happened, and it all kind of came together. I disagree completely. I, mean, I don't think look at their loss, didn't go that they, they just would... got beat by two scores right when Cooper came in to Tennessee, and they looked dead. I mean, the word that Jason Garrett was gone, that was the word. I mean, he was like the next, the next coach to be fired. And since then, they have completely turned it around. I mean, they beat Yeah, but, that, but that's twice. my point. Like, how, how has their defense gone from middle of the road to being one of the better defenses in the league, it wasn't because of all right Cooper necessarily. Well, see what but, I'm saying? But what it, yes and no though. In order to, you know, we see teams like the Jaguars, they have a good defense. The Ravens, they have a good defense, but they're they don't have quite enough pieces offensively to let the defense breathe enough to actually be that shutdown defense. That and that's the issue that Dallas was having early on because they haven't allowed more than 24 points the whole year. Their defense has been good. But they needed that one piece. Without Amari Cooper, they're not winning these extra games because they don't have enough other playmakers on offense. It was just, it was so predictable for them. Everybody knew what they were going to do. They're going to run it down your throat with Elliott. And that only works to a certain extent. You know, if they don't have a Cooper 
to get that big first down. That's the big key that he's been doing is not only, you know, huge games, but he's a guy that it's, you know, third and long and another first down and another first down. He's He's been a safety valve for Dal, uh, for Dak that they just didn't have. This is a team that was trying to convince Jason Witten to come out of the, the broadcast booth early in the season because they have no real wide receivers. If you take Cooper out, who's their number one? We're talking well, you, you, I think you kind of nailed it right there. Was And if you go back and, and listen to our conversation with Sad back during training camp, I think the biggest thing, and I'm glad that you mentioned the tight end position, because we spent some time talking about that. Was Rico Gathers going to be the guy? Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, who's going to be the guy that's going to emerge? I was thinking it was going to be the, the basketball convert, Rico Gathers, and I was pretty excited about him. None of the guys panned out. It left a glaring hole, especially yeah. with Dak Prescott. He's the type yeah, of guy. No, he he needs right. that, that Witten type guy, yeah, right? So so, so you're, you're right in the sense that, like when I say they had the personnel going into the season, you had the offensive line. I think you've got a more than competent quarterback. We've seen him win a lot of games in this league, and you've got one of the more elite running backs in the NFL. When you underestimate or when you overestimate what you're gonna, production you're going to get from the tight end position, now you're down because you don't have a great receiving core and you don't have that tight end. Right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it, it posed a big problem. So I agree he filled that big hole. Great debate to sure. post, post sure. Sutton and ask him, what, what, what do you think? Either way, here's where we're at today. Eight and five, first place in the NFC East. And to me, this this division is done, right? Especially with today's news yeah. that Carson Wentz is, is, is looking like he's going to be missing some time. And we have I would Josh shut him, Johnson starting I would shut him down for the yeah. year if, if I'm Philly anyways at this point because I don't well, think they, they're a Super Bowl contender. They play the Rams this week too. The Rams at home after yeah. the Rams had a and bad Unless they could get week. some kind of like Nick Foles lightning in a bottle type thing like they had last year. You know, Philly's done, like you just mentioned, Josh Johnson, who I like a lot from his days at USD, small school, Southern California, coming in and uh, having a nice little third he's and fourth, fourth quarter last week. string quarterback at actual- Oh, yeah, he's the starting quarterback honest. in the Alliance League. <laughs> so he, he was one of the, uh, I think, the yeah. first overall draft pick in the league. So, yeah. you know, and he's still committing to play for them because he needs to get some more reps. We'll see what happens over these last three games. But Which is funny no, no the chance Giants, to win the division, right? I mean, right? I mean, the Giants are still mathematically eligible. Because uh, the, their offense is kind of peaking right now. They are. And, um, you know, they, they have Barkley. And when you have someone that's that talented, he can make plays for you. Their defense is always good, the Giants. They're just one of the, like they always have a pretty solid defense for the most part, like a defense that can win you games. They get, but it would be really funny if they made a run right now because the Dallas, um, they've got, you, they they don't have the most difficult schedule in the world. But I mean, I I as we'll talk later is one of my picks. I think they're going to lose this week when they play at Indianapolis. You know, so that. That could be one loss right away. Uh, we'll see, but I mean, they probably go two and one out of their last. Two, I agree. Right? I'm not I, sure which be, ones they crazy. win or lose, but yeah. So on this, on this, just a slight tangent, but kind of on this topic, you and I were talking about this a little bit on, off air the other day, and uh, there is a really wacky and I, and it's it sounds crazy when you go through everything that has to happen, but if you really think about the things that have to happen, they're not that far fetched. There's a legitimate chance that the Browns can win. Uh, can win the division. Uh, they they have a they have a legitimate shot to win the AFC North. So everybody, the Browns, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh has th- of all three games left. Pittsburgh is really struggling. They play New England this weekend, and then New Orleans. Those are two probable losses for Pittsburgh. I mean, I I think the way they're playing, they probably lose both of those games. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something if they miss the playoffs entirely? They, because so they, I think they're staring that right down the barrel. Me too. Me too. So they lose those two games. Then it comes down to one game for Pittsburgh 
against Cincinnati where it's you have to win. And we've seen crazy things happen. Cincinnati would love to spoil Pittsburgh in a one-game scenario. That would be that would make their entire season. Baltimore plays Tampa, the Chargers, and then they play the Browns. So they're let's say they beat Tampa, they lose to the Chargers. If the Browns win their three games, they win. And they play Denver, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. I have no I mean those things are not that far fetched. Well, There's I'm going to come out. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. The winner of, of Baltimore and Cleveland wins the division. And, and but we should know by then because if the Browns slip up along the way, it won't matter. If they lose to Denver or Cincinnati, then they don't. That, then this scenario doesn't happen. They have to win their their next three games. But they're not going to be heavily underdogs in any of the games. Denver, Cincy, and then Baltimore. They beat Baltimore earlier in the year. And and it's and Baltimore has a good defense, but offensively right now we don't really know. They're like Lamar Jackson. They're 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 not necessarily clicking on all cylinders offensively. So there are some really fun scenarios um, still left to to come in uh, in the NFL right now. And you know the 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 big crazy thing is, Mike. None of the really good teams, none of the best teams in the NFL are playing their best football right now. None of them. Kansas no. City. New Orleans, the Rams, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Texans, you would say have probably been the best teams throughout the bulk of the year, and none of them are playing their best football right now. No, but at least, you know, uh, you know, Kansas City's still winning. You know, the Rams, for the most part, are still winning. The Saints, New for Orleans, the most part, are still winning. You know, yeah. So yeah. they're not playing the best. The Bears are kind of a sneaky team. We talked about it last week. You know, they, uh, I think they, sh- they showed me something and that they're not scared. You know, they, they went up uh, against the, the heavyweights from, from the West and didn't back down. They had weather in their favor. They had home field in their favor. Um, uh, but they got the best of golf. So, you know, the Bears are a team that I think has to be respected. Seattle, same conversation that we had last week. I don't think that anything changed that their minds. Change last week. Yeah, I think the only thing that changed my mind is a little bit is maybe I slightly overestimated. I still think the Rams are, are capable of, of winning big games on the road, but... When when you look at your 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 schedule and you see that your losses have come against you know some of the better teams and on the road you still have to go out and prove it yeah. and I think they're probably going to have to play a road game hard to say I mean each team has two losses right between the Saints and the Rams but I think if all you know if if everything goes as projected I would say that they probably end up with the same record the Saints win the tiebreaker because of the head to head and it only really matters if they meet in the conference championship game right in, so, in a weird way I would be less scared to go and play in New Orleans because we've already seen the Rams play an awesome game in New Orleans you know they were down they kind of made some tweaks at halftime they came all the way back really good game versus you know go and play at at the at the uh, the Bears where we probably won't have to see that happen. I think that's one one worry that I have for the Bears is that I think their home field advantage might even be more than New Orleans. It might even be the best when it's going to be cold with that defense because it it just it is so difficult to score. And we've seen, you know, New Orleans also have to go on the road and not have an offense that clicks on all cylinders. So I think it's a it it's a major positive for New Orleans and the, and the Rams that they're not going to likely have to go on the road and play that Bears team in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the more I, I look at this, the more more I think this is going to be a really, really exciting uh, postseason tournament here. <laughs> Maybe one of the better ones we've seen in years. I agree, because right now, the matchups, if and, and there's gonna, things are going to change in the next few weeks, but the, what would be very interesting is the, te- the, the Rams just got beat by the Bears in Chicago, 
and they would be projected to likely play the Bears again in the second week of the of the NFL playoffs in LA. And then the Saints, who just lost to the Cowboys in Dallas, they'd be projected to likely play Dallas in the second week in New Orleans. So they'd be playing the teams that just beat them, just they'd be playing them at home instead of on the road. But you never know. I mean, when a team gets that that matchup in their head, they get a little confidence. They think they they can beat you. Um, we've already seen that those games are are very interesting. So if there if nothing shook out differently in the uh, in the NFC, those final four, it would, I think, would be a lot of intrigue in that. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. You know, I, I want to go back to something that I had uh, talked about during the beginning of the season, which was uh, my my long shot pick, which is which is the Miami Dolphins. And I look here and I'm like, gosh darn it, if they would not have blown two road games where they had big leads in the fourth quarter against the Colts and against the or, or against the Bengals, but you know, you'd be looking at a pretty nice uh, division race here. Uh, although, I, only, I only bring that up because I, I still look and see that that wild card spot is whoever gets it in the AFC has got no shot anyways. That's probably the worst of the 12 seeds. You know, when all is said and done, I think that's going to be the worst seed anyways. But it's pretty intriguing, right? I mean, I agree. I think the Ravens are going to end up being the division winner. So I don't think we're going to get a wild card from the AFC North, which means it's going to come down to Indy, Tennessee, maybe Denver or, or Miami. You know, and I don't think either any one of those teams can make a lot of noise uh, come playoff time, but uh, it's kind of cool when you when you have three games remaining and a lot of wide open spots. That's kind of what you want to see. That's why MLB implemented that final playoff slot just to be able to incorporate a coast to coast enthusiasm and excitement. And I think we have it. And you're lucky that Solid, I believe, is uh, is holding. We're going to bring him on in just a second because you. I let that Miami thing sneak by a little bit. If we're playing the Miami, should they have more wins or should they have more losses game? I think we can count five games that they probably should not have won. And if you look at a team's point differential and they're as far below even as Miami is, they should have no business being set like seven and six. Two, two quick counterpoints to that is is there there's really one main game where that point differential went out of whack. Outside of that, they've either had, or two games, excuse me, two games where that point differential, and that was against the Patriots on the road, that was against the Texans on the road, right? But keep in mind something. They've, they've done it half the year with a backup quarterback in place, right? And, and this isn't a league for excuses, but here's what I'll tell you. The Dolphins have a pretty good team. I, I looked at the personnel going into the year, and I, I thought to myself, you know what? This is a playoff team. This could be a division-winning team. Really, the main thing, I'm so unimpressed with Gase and the coaching staff overall. I think we've I've seen enough to say that he's not the guy that's going to lead them to the next to the promised land. And why do we even care? Because that division has been the most boring division for two decades. Yeah, you know, between I, the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, they're all so inept. Draft after draft, coaching change after coaching change, quarterback changes. You name it. There's been no excitement, no intrigue as to who's going to win the AFC East. I want to see somebody else win it. I mean, yeah, they should not have beat the Patriots. That was a coaching error massively by Belichick. That was one of the worst games. But here's what I'll say. Anytime that you've played good enough to be within one score. Yeah, the problem is they shouldn't have been. I mean, you miss the field goal. He then they made a lot of mistakes during that game, too. I know, right. but when you like, he could have gone to other like where it could have been where the Bills, Josh Allen missed a wide open touchdown to win the game against the 
against the Bears, the Bears literally fumbled like going in multiple times. That was the worst game play. Like the problem. Yeah, but if you're gonna you're count right those things, that then... the Dolphins that the Dolphins have won, and that they you predicted that they were going to be better than they were. The problem is, is when you watch a Dolphins game, they are never good. They're never the reason they win. It's always because the other teams make historically bad mistakes. I mean, you can count them repeatedly throughout I, I, the year. Here's the thing. I the think hurricane game against the Dolphins, Titans. And, and, and because of that, you're not looking at the phantom holding call against the Colts late in the game, which made a huge difference. They would have been able to run out the clock. There are other factors during these games as well where – if on you some of the losses, they could have won. Equation and just put it on a random poll. Not one person would think the Dolphins are a good team or even above average team. Gino, not you cannot go six and one at home and not have a decent roster. I didn't. It's just not possible in the NFL. Possible. You they can't. Have, they, but they're just not a very good football team. If you were ranking the NFL, like the entire teams in the NFL, they're like a, they're below fifteen. Completely disagree. In fact, here's what I'll tell you. The reason I was able to predict them to be in this position is because they have a talented team. Man, I'm telling you, their coaching is so unimpressive from the top down. It's a huge, huge problem for them. I, I'll be disgusted with the Dolphins if they keep Adam Gase, and they probably will because they'll probably end up 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight and eight, respectable enough number, and you're going to be able to you know, extract so many different positives from the season. We're building momentum, and everybody thought we were going to be the worst team in the NFL. Yada yada yada. I'm not. I'm not buying it. I, they haven't. Beat I never up one to team. see a they coach beat up lose one, job. There's been one game where they've actually beat up a team. Not one. Hey, they controlled that Bears game. You know, they, man. If if you recall, they, they had, with their backup quarterback, they put up almost 500 yards. Oh, I was more impressed with Osweiler, and that's why I would kind of disagree on the like Gase isn't a good coach because he made Osweiler look competent. Nobody else has ever done that. Nobody has, and and he's been well. His his year one, his his year one with Denver was pretty good when they won that Super Bowl that year. But I mean, look, I hear you. I mean, I'm not to me. I'm not too touting them as like were were the Redskins. They were the Redskins. They were both teams that were just super lucky in like who they played, how they they played against them. Neither team looked very good. They they both like wins. They've got wins against the Titans the Bears, and the Patriots under their belt. They're doing something right. I mean, but you can't say that that win against the Patriots was a Miami win. Like, that was a... There were, like, a a few things at the end of the game that were pretty head-scratching. And, like, why is Gronk even in that game when you're... it's You have 70 yards to go in a wet stadium with a hurt Tannehill. There's no way he can even throw the ball that far. So, it's, like, it's silly to have Gronk in back there. That's just a, a coaching error. With 16 seconds to go in the game, Miami has no timeouts... You kick a field goal to put you up a touchdown, but if you if you go for it and you score a touchdown, the game's over. If you go for it and you miss, Miami's on the four-yard line with 16 seconds to go, no timeouts. They're going to have to go 50 yards to get in field goal position and then get their field goal team on the field from out of bounds in 16 seconds. Hey, look, man, I am not going to sit here and question Bill Belichick and I am, the decisions I mean, he makes. because I, I am in this particular game. Just, no matter how good you are, you don't just get away with – you know, everything that's, that's the issue is that you got to look back at each particular game. And that's what I did with the Redskins. I liked him at the beginning of the year, but I wasn't going to say that the Redskins were some great team, you know, because they were winning games. I don't think the Texans are very good and they won nine games. They won six in a row where they could have lost every one of those games. Yeah. But if you're using that standard, we, we only really have five or six really good teams. You're right. Right. But, but there's the 12 playoff teams. You're right. And so most of those teams aren't very good. That even the ones that make the playoffs, that's why the first last couple of years, the first rounds of those playoffs are awful. 
Hey, if you ask me, if you want to have four, make it like baseball. You know, you have the, the like a four team tournament. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. It's a, a little a play yeah. in or whatever. You know, I mean, I'm cool. With, I'm cool with that. But the thing is, in football, you see wild cards. You know, teams that are hitting their stride late in the year are usually the ones that make noise. Simply put, like the Philadelphia Eagles last year. The, to me, they're they're one of the the historically worst Super Bowl teams of all time. But they got hot at that right well, time. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, that was you know, total. That was so, so crazy. You know, and a team like and this, and, you know, like the Ravens, they rattle off like three straight wins to to close out the year. They go in and upset like a Chiefs or somebody. I mean, I'm not going to be entirely shocked. It happens, you know, but I would be absurdly shocked if the Dolphins made the playoffs one and two, if they won a playoff game, I would be absurdly shocked. And I don't think very many people. Would no, like I said, that opinion. that number six seed in the AFC will not win a playoff game. Yeah, whoever I, it is. I agree with that. I would likely agree with you. And if I'm a fan of any of those teams, I'd actually rather have you, you know, lose out and finish seven and nine, six and ten for any of these contenders and and get a better draft pick than to be uh, alive on the last day and not make it into the playoffs. That's my thought. Now, hey, we've gone way over here in terms of getting a break, and we've also got our first guest holding. So why don't we take a commercial break? We'll be back in two minutes with Saad Youssef from The Athletic, Dallas Fort Worth. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
I think uh, I think when we're like 80 years old, Mike, you and I are going to be debating about the uh, the 2018-2019 Miami Dolphins uh, football football team. That'll be one that we both go to go down debating on forever. When they're That's hoisting some- the Lombardi Trophy, there's exactly, going to be no argument. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'll have fun on that one. Uh, we'll see how the next few weeks shakes out and if they get a shot to uh, to sneak into the playoffs. But we're going to make a little transition now. And man, I'd have to say if you're talking about just like major population areas right now in the United States as far as their sports teams and how the last month is concerned. I don't think there are two teams that are hotter with a little bit more buzz than the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Mavericks are now 15 and 11. They are eight and two in their last 10 games. They are only two and a half games out of the number one seed in the Western Conference. They've won over Portland, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Rockets, and the Thunder. We're going to bring on right now Saad Youssef from The Athletic to talk about this run that the Dallas teams are on right now. It is it is Luka mania. Uh, I've seen what Luka, alle, Luka, Luya, Alleluia, something like Hallelujah, different <laughs> things like that. It is, uh, it's been crazy over there. And Luka Doncic, he's playing like an all-star right now. Absolutely, man. I, and thanks for having me on. And, and he, he's absolutely changed, uh, changed the, the vibe of Mavericks basketball around here. And uh, we were actually just talking about it at the game the other night where we were just like, uh, we can't remember a time where the Mavericks really able to win games, like where you expected them going in, that they should win this game, and then if it comes down close, then you're like, okay, what's going to happen now that's going to change the dynamic, and and the Mavs are going to pull it off. In past years, it was always like, okay, what is going to happen for the Mavs to lose this game? How are they going to lose it this year? And it's the complete opposite this year, and I think the explanation point on that was a a few nights ago against the Houston Rockets at the AAC which, by the way, the Mavs have won, I, I think it's like nine straight games at home now, um, their longest streak since 2007. And, um, and, and I guess the Houston Rockets, they're down by eight points, and Luka Doncic just goes nuts. I mean, he went on a personal 11-0 run and uh, just changed the whole game and then won the game for them uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter. He, in, he's a player, as you mentioned, it, we everybody thought he was going to be good, and I we were I think it was a little head scratching when when he was able to get to Dallas because when you looked at this draft over and over, he seemed like one of the players who was the most ready. He was playing um, in Europe in one of the other toughest leagues in in the world against grown men, you know, in their thirties and forties who have been playing basketball for a long time and winning games. But the the one thing you know when I watched his tape and and before he came over, you never know how like the athleticism is going to transfer over. He's not necessarily in the greatest shape in the world. You didn't know if he was going to have the explosion, but he just changes speeds and he's so just crafty. He gets to the perfect spot. He makes great passes. I, I'm really shocked that everything translated so quick that step back three works. And he, you know, just going over his numbers, 17.8 17.8 points per game. He's leading the team. You know, he's leading the team in minutes with 32.3 minutes a game. He's second in rebounds with six, you know, 6.7, and he's second in assists. He's averaging over a steal a game. Also, uh, like, how surprised are you at how good he is right now? I, I think that's the most surprising part. I think if you don't take out, if you take out the last two words, then it's not overly surprising that. He'd be at this point, at some point in his career, I think we all expected that. 
Um, but at this point right now for him to be this good, that's the biggest surprise. And I want to be very careful when I, when I compare him to this guy. But, but he really is this new generation LeBron James type guy where he plays one through four. You know, we've, we've seen games this season where, especially with Dennis Smith Jr. missing games uh, every now and then with injury and stuff like that, Luka Doncic has been the point guard. We've also seen him start at power forward and everything in between. When Wesley Matthews misses games, he, he fits right into the three slot. Um, he really can play one through four, and that's what you kind of see with LeBron. You see LeBron bringing up the ball at the court and things like that. Now, Luka is nowhere near LeBron James as far as the basketball players goes, but what I mean is just his skill set and his uh, what he's able to do is that form of guy, and that's really uh, it, it's incredible. His defense is actually pretty good, too. And uh, what Rick Carlisle always has told us, especially when Dennis came out last year, that defense is the hardest thing to translate to the NBA. Well, it might be hard for college players, but this guy has been playing pro for so long already that um, it, it's not that difficult for him to make the adjustment. So I think the totality of his game, how good he is right now, is absolutely surprising. I think anybody that says that, you know, you thought for him to come out and do what he's doing right now is just not true. And I think the most surprising thing uh, about his game is that when he has off games, he still makes an impact. And so I think it was a couple of nights ago, he had seven points, but he had 11 assists. And he's still making ways. And let me tell you, this Mavericks roster is talented, but it's not that talented. And if they had some more shooters around him, his assist numbers would be through the roof because his court vision is just incredible. He finds guys. They don't always hit the shots. He had one to, uh, to J.J. Barea last night where he just had head eyes in the back of his head, found Barea, but Barea missed the shot. And so you won't see that on the stat sheet, but overall he is just absolutely incredible. And it seems like you're bringing up the defense. It seems like that's maybe um, been infectious for the, for the team as, as a whole. I mean, they're – they're they're probably one of the uh, better teams in terms of forcing turnovers. I think they're a top ten team in in that regard. And um, you know, obviously, you have the rebounding machine and DeAndre Jordan. But overall, it seems like maybe there's been a little more emphasis on defense than uh, than when we think of the Mavs of the year, years in, in the past. Absolutely. I mean, there have been three times this year in the NBA that uh, someone has held an opponent to below eighty points, and Mavs have two of those three games, and both of them at home. So. Um, their defense is absolutely great, and Luka Doncic has part of part of that. But look, DeAndre Jordan uh, coming over has a big has a big uh, impact on what they do defensively, and then Harrison Barnes as well because Harrison Barnes, the way he can defend on the perimeter, uh, Wesley Matthews is still their primary defender who picks up the toughest assignment, but he's getting up there a little bit. And Harrison Barnes does a really good job, and Luka Doncic, while he may not technically be uh, as sound defensively as you would like. Um, he is, uh, uh, his size is just a problem. I mean, just him being out there on the court, it's kind of like, it's kind of like in football. Look, you may, may not have the, the best guy playing guard, but if, if you're, if that guy is just a big guy and gets in the way, then that has, that, that means something. I mean, it may not be everything, but it means something. And so Luka Doncic is that way. And Dennis Smith Jr. has taken his defensive game to another level and then add on top of all that the remarkable bench play and the fact that you have a top three coach in the NBA. And I think that's a big reason why the defense is so great. And let's not forget about Maximilian. Just love saying that name, but he's, Absolutely. Uh, he's yeah. a German beast. Love him. Yeah. yeah he's, he's been playing great as well. 
The surprising Mavericks team, 13-2 and two at home, currently sitting in the number seven spot. But, I mean, the West is crazy. There are 14 teams legitimately that uh, that have a shot to make the playoffs and that are, you know, probably considered good basketball teams. It'll be very fun to see Dirk make his debut tonight. And uh, what, what, have you seen anything or heard anything about that kind of relationship? I'd, I'd have to imagine just, you know, to, for, for someone like Luca to have someone like Dirk uh, as a mentor, someone who's been like the face of this Mavericks franchise for so long. Uh, I think Mike mentioned this to me when we were talking the other day. It's almost like a passing of the torch. It seems like a pretty perfect uh, moment or um, kind of a, a year or two for Dirk to, to help Luca get ready. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's, that, I think that that's true. I also think that it's a little, uh, I don't want to say overblown, but I, I don't sure. think, I don't think Dirk's impact is, but look, Luca is a professional. He he knows. I think the the transition for uh, where Dirk helps the most is a lot of just um, the routine stuff and off the court and things like that. On the court, yep. Luca doesn't need the help that Dirk needed when Dirk came over and he had Steve Nash. Um, Dirk needed that, but Luca doesn't need that as much. And I mean, it's it's pretty evident by the fact that Luca is is uh, is by and far the the front runner for uh, Rookie of the Year right now. I, I would have to say. And uh, Dirk hasn't stepped uh, stepped on the court yet, so I think Dirk helps in all of those other aspects. I think he helps he helps from a comfort level of knowing that yeah, you have this guy in your back pocket. But I don't think Luca is a guy that really, um, if he didn't have Dirk, then he wouldn't. Uh, then the transition would be any harder. I think I think he'd still be Luca Doncic, and I still think he'd be just as incredible as he is. Hey, Sad, before we transition to the uh, Dallas Cowboys, I know a lot of our listeners are big Cowboys fans. I actually want to ask you about a, a piece that you wrote in The Athletic the other day about trading cards. Um, as a sports agent on the NFL side of things, I've actually done a deal with Panini for a, a wide receiver client of mine in the past. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't read your article in totality, but I, I kind of skimmed over some of the key pieces. Are you sensing and feeling that there may be a little bit of a resurgence in the trading card market and memorabilia and collectibles and things of that nature? I think so. It was really interesting. The headquarters are right here in Irving, and uh, and, and I I I think that uh, the digital there's a whole digital side of it that that's coming out that's new. You have digital trading cards and things of that sort. So um, I think uh, that there's going to be a resurgence. I, I think and and there's just so much money involved. Uh, you, you see all the sports gambling that's picking up steam everywhere. Well, this is there's a lot of business opportunities when it comes to trading cards. I personally uh, collected trading cards when I was younger um, just as a hobby, but there are guys that, that will buy cases of cards and then sell them later on. And, and, and they're, you know, you talk about investments in the stock market and things like that. I've talked to people who legitimately invest in trading cards. So uh, it, it, it's very interesting, and I think Panini's on the forefront of it. I think the most uh, intriguing thing to me about Panini was the way that they do their memorabilia. Um, and that was very interesting. I think trading cards are, uh, they have different kinds of trading cards all over, but the memorabilia part is where they have very limited, uh, very limited athletes that are with them. And, uh, the athletes that are though, they're, they're full on. Kobe is a good example where all Kobe memorabilia goes to Panini. And, uh, and if you try to buy that stuff, oh my God, it's expensive. I, when I went and visited, they had shoes that were like $7,000 and then, I mean, you know, good for whoever can afford that. Um, no, that's that's not me. 
Yeah, well, you were talking about shoes and also game-worn jerseys as well. A lot of really, really cool stuff. Hey, man, I think Gino and I will settle for maybe a 500 Luca rookie cards apiece, huh? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll, ta- I'll take a few of them and, and some stock. We'll just get some stock in Luca. That's not, uh, I think this is a, a player that's going to be around for a long time, and he's going to be a very, very impactful and uh, kind of a transition. We've seen one player come over to the Dallas Cowboys and really kind of change their season and really impact this team. And that was Amari Cooper. Um, you know, Dallas, the Cowboys weren't far off. They they have, a, as we've seen, an, an incredible defense. They have, you know, one of the top running backs in the league. They have, I think, a quarterback who he's has an ups and downs, but he's definitely a serviceable quarterback, a pretty strong offensive line, you know, usually. But they seem to be really lacking in the pass catcher and just kind of playmaker department most of the year. And since Amari Cooper has come in, he has really changed things, Sab. Yeah, he has, and I, you know, I, I listened to you guys a little earlier when you guys were talking about games that that should be won and that shouldn't be won and things like that. Well, I think I think a lot of that is teams create their own luck in that way. So, I mean, you know, should Dallas be in a position they are right now? I mean, if you look, if you go by the first eight games of the season, they were three and five. No, they shouldn't. But you know, then then you add Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden they should be in the playoffs. So. I think, you know, Amari Cooper, his addition has been really big. Um, I think he's overshadowing one really big development in Dallas, which has been Leighton Vanderesh. Um, the yeah. play that, 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 that he's had has just absolutely changed. So many times in the past we've seen Sean Lee's injury be a death sentence to the defense, and right now this defense is not one of the best in the NFL. It is literally a top 2-3 defense in the NFL. It's not just top 10. And Leighton Vanderesh has his fingerprints all over that. And look, Amari Cooper, don't get me wrong, has had a monster uh, impact. He's a top two carry receiver since he came to Dallas. But in the same way, in the same wavelength, Leighton Vanderish is that for the defense. And uh, and it's really crazy when you think about the age of Dak Prescott, the age of Zeke, and Amari Cooper, and Leighton, and Demarcus Lawrence, and uh, and Jalen Smith. They have so much young talent on this team um, that it's just. You know, the, the worry is how you're going to lock them all up for money-wise, but acquiring talent has not been an issue for the Cowboys. Amari Cooper has been everything that you could have hoped for him to be and then some, uh, whether that was Thanksgiving. You probably thought it couldn't get better than it was on Thanksgiving. And then he went out and had the game that he just had last game, um, and he's just simply been incredible. Yeah, no doubt about that. So I think the real question is, you know, based on what they've got right now, you know, is there a feeling around Dallas that they could make a legitimate run in the playoffs, or are they still a year away, not quite there with the the Saints and the Rams? Although they obviously took care of business against the Saints just the other day. No, there there, there can't be a feeling of uh, we're still a year or two away because 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 the bottom line is when they won thirteen games in twenty sixteen, that's when that was the feeling. That's when it was like, okay, Dak's a rookie, Zeke's a rookie, we're two or three years away. Well, it's two years later now, and so um, and now is the time. This is a young NFL um, where young teams do well, and so it, the, the Dallas Cowboys are young, but they're not that young. They're not, they're not a team filled with rookies. These are veteran guys who know how to get around, and you talked about the Rams and the Saints. Look, they beat the Saints, and then the Rams just laid a big egg against the Bears last week on Sunday Night Football. So it's not like anybody is uh, – and there's not a team that can't be beat. Um, right now, the Dallas Cowboys are the hottest teams, in, the hottest team in the uh, 
in the NFC. Then you go over to the AFC, and the Chiefs are dealing with they dealing with with Kareem Hunt, and that we'll see what happens there. Pat Mahomes is the real deal. The Patriots just you know they just lost to the Dolphins, and and I understand it was a fluky play, but at the end of the day, they were still they were still only beating the Dolphins by five points. So yep. um, it's not like they're a dominant team either. And so right now, who really is challenging the Cowboys to where you look at them and be like, you know what, we can't beat this team right now. We'll see next year. There's no one there. There's the, this, the time is now for the Dallas Cowboys. Look, Dak Prescott next year will be in a rookie contract. He will be in a rookie year. Amari Cooper will be in a contract year. And so uh, you need answers on these guys. Is Dak Prescott the guy? There's not a definitive yes right now. And uh, a nice playoff run right now will go a long way for him locking up a deal in Dallas. And, and frankly, right now is the time for the Dallas Cowboys. Two years ago, they were two years late. They were two years away. It's two years later now. Well, I'll tell you what, we're up against a commercial break, but I'll say this. I think it's going to be really key for the Cowboys to get that third seed and, and not, not hang on to that fourth seed. Just in terms of matchups, I think you'd much rather see either the Minnesota Vikings or the Panthers or the Eagles or the Redskins or the Packers or the New York Giants or whoever's going to get that final seed than you would Seattle facing the Seattle Seahawks. Exactly. Yeah, right. they're a hot team right now, too. Yep, Son, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we love talking, talking NFL and NBA with you. We'll have to have you come back uh, and join us again soon here. Why don't you let all the listeners know how they could follow your work and, um, and, and, and get more information about the, this uh, hot rookie and Luca and the trading cards and a lot of the good pieces that you've been writing about lately. Yeah, so the hub of all that is my Twitter uh, Twitter account. You can follow me on on Twitter at Sadius126. That's S-A-A-D-Y-O-U-S-U-F-126. And then, uh, and then, of course, at the Athletic, um, uh, all my pieces go up there, and and uh, and there's, uh, you know, I'm all over the place with uh, with all these different um, teams around Dallas, and, and and you know, the Stars are doing well too. So, if hockey's your thing, then Dallas right now is just doing really well between the Cowboys, Mavs, and Stars. So, it's a fun time to be a DFW sports fan. Any of our followers can uh, see our retweets. We'll include Saad in there, especially uh, over the next couple of days here. Saad, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Love having your perspective and insight from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, my friend. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Gino, let's take a quick commercial break and uh, talk some Week 15 point spreads with Monique. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Tune into the revolution with Jim and Trav this week as we talk small game and predator hunting. We'll discuss coyote stands, busting squirrels and rabbits, the dying art of trapping, and much more. Joining us is Jeff Thomason, host of Predator Pursuit, president and founder of Horizon Firearms, Derek Ratliff, and Jake Edson from Bushnell. Jim and Trav's small game and predators talk is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Big thanks to Saad there. Does a great job covering everything Dallas. A little housekeeping before we bring Monique on. The Capital One College Bowl Mania group, Mike, we have. It's on ESPN. The group name is The Mike Abadir Show. One entry per person. It's free to enter. It literally just takes you about five minutes. You go through all the games and you pick, you pick the winner of the games. Whoever gets first, $100 Amazon gift card, and they get to guest host a segment on our show about whatever they'd like. And then the second place finisher will get a $50 Amazon gift card. So spread it around. And, and but please make sure be, you got to follow us yeah. both on Twitter. Mike, I was just going to say, Mike please Abadier. follow us. And if you have any questions, to DM us, right? Uh, yeah. Some of these like platforms are a little bit tricky sometimes. So feel free to, especially Gino, he knows this stuff really well. So, But DM us if you've got any issues at all. Yeah. Be a follower of so ours. Yep. At Mike Abadir, at uh, it's me, Gino B. Make sure when we do these contests... When you win, you got to be following us both uh, to win the to win the contest. And it's so, free, free sure. contest. It's free. So you know, tell your friends. All you got to do is look through, fill out your entry, follow us both on Twitter. Um, and we had a contest recently last week that was to predict the score of the Rams Bears game. And we had some people posting on in the uh, iTunes uh, review section the score and. And most people that predicted, and I would have predicted the same way because I liked the Rams last week. That was my loss of my three games. Uh, the the Bears 26, Rams 24 was the prediction that actually ended up being the winner. So congratulations to Big Kumbi, B-I-G-C-O-U-M-B-E. We will uh, tweet it out and we'll try to get in touch with you so we can send you your, uh, your gift card and we can figure out when you want to come on and what you want to talk about and you can host the segment. So congratulations on that one, I think was one of the only ones who actually even had the Bears winning the game. I think everybody else had the Rams winning. Yeah, I mean, tough, uh, tough to go against the Rams. Uh, Bears kind of showed us something. So, yeah, so uh, awesome! Congratulations on that, and we will tweet out again uh, the winner of the contest. We're going to bring in one of our good friends, the weekly segment that we've had for uh, the entire NFL season. And this week, she's going to kind of branch off a little bit. Not only will she give us a couple NFL plays, also some college football, because Monique, this is a time that, you know, you, uh, when you follow you on Twitter, we really see you love to play a lot of these games because you do a great job 
not only with the, I think, the very mainstream games and the NFL games and the games that everybody pays attention to, but I've noticed following you the last couple of years, you're, you play sometimes a little, some of the more obscure games, and that's sometimes where you get you know better lines because not as many people are playing. People necessarily haven't handicapped and watched these teams as much throughout the year. And uh, I like when you when the bowl season comes up because you have a couple bowl games that you're going to play uh, starting this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I do like those more obscure games. I feel like less people are paying attention to those. And those aren't really going to be the games that are all over TV. So the lines are a lot less competitive. And honestly, just we've we've seen a lot of good games this year, but a lot of these ones are also underrated. There's a lot of teams that are very close, especially early on in the season and the games that are happening now. So yeah, I think it's a good time to take advantage of those. And a lot of these teams do play very true to trends and how they've been playing as of late. So bowl season is definitely one of my favorites. Well, uh, let's start then with uh, the college games that you have. I think you had two plays this weekend in college. Yeah, I like two plays. Uh, first off, I like the Tulane Green Wave. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2013, and this year they come in with a lot of momentum, winning four of their mo- most recent five games to secure a bid. Now, Tulane's a team that loves to run the ball, and they've had a lot of success doing so. They have two very dynamic backs, and it's really worked for them perfectly. I think they're going to chew up a lot of the clock and the time of possession, and I think Saturday should be no different for them. So I definitely like them to cover the three-and-a-half points. And then one more college play? Yeah, one more. I'm liking the under 54.5 at Fresno State and Arizona State. Now, Fresno State won the Mountain West title on the road at Boise State. Now, that's a super, super impressive victory. And as we all know, it's so tough to beat Boise State at home. Now, this is their opportunity to claim a program record 12th victory. So I really think they're going to come out strong. And ASU is going to be playing without their best player in Nikhil Harry. And he's not going to be playing due to not really wanting to mess up his NFL draft stock, which I understand in that perspective, but, I mean, you're really letting your team down with that one. And as we know, Fresno State's defense have been solid all year, and I think this game's going to turn into a grind. And, honestly, I feel like this game's going to be first to 20 win. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring affair. Two games in college and then two plays in the pros as we move on over to the NFL and there's going to be one game Monique where you and I are going to go head up against each other Uh, I'm going to try to go against that hot Cowboys team that's playing the Colts it's uh somewhere two and a half or three points in that in that and you're going to go on the Cowboys side I am honestly at eight and five Dallas I think they need a win they need a win and a loss from the Eagles and Skins to clinch the NFC East now the Colts are tied with the Ravens and Titans for the AFC wildcard spot and I would argue that they kind of need this game a little bit more to stay competitive and I do see why Indy's favorite but I think the Cowboys have just been playing the much better football on both sides of the ball and they've won five straight I feel like when you're getting the hotter team with the three points I gotta go Cowboys on that one So Cowboys for Monique, I'll jump the opposite way. And then, Monique, you have one more play in the NFL. Um, Honestly, a couple of teams that are just, they're bad. They've been struggling. But uh, I understand this line because when you predict this game, how many points do you think the Cardinals are even going to score? I scratch my head and say not very many. So you'll lean towards Atlanta. I will. I I like the Falcons minus nine. And 
it's one of those weeks where a big spreads for a lot of the games, but just really, really odd games. A lot of teams have just been so poor, and obviously the Falcons have been one of those, but the Cardinals are just unbackable at this point. Rosen's had 10 touchdowns with 12 interceptions on the season and only one touchdown pass over his last three games. Now, the Cards are dead last in the NFL in yards per game, and I do feel like in this game, just having home field for the Falcons and just having the whole crowd backing them pretty much and although they're not playing for anything at this point I feel like home field should play a factor in this one and as you said I don't know how many of the Cardinals are going to put up and I don't think very many and I mean the Falcons could could score at least I'd say at least two touchdowns and if that's the case I don't know what the cards are going to do so I'm going Falcons minus nine. Four plays for the Parlay Queen this week, Monique. And uh, now on, we'll be talking some college games with you and some NFL games. And we're getting close to playoff time. And we really appreciate each and every week you coming on. So best of luck with your four plays this weekend. And uh, we'll see who has some bragging rights in that Cowboys-Colts game. You and I are going head up there. We'll see. Thank you guys for having me again. And good luck this weekend. Thanks, Monique. Thanks, Monique. Thank you. Okay, so that was one of my plays, Mike. I'm only going to have two plays this week. Uh, Colts and then the Bills versus the Lions. You know, the Bills are feisty. They're feisty. Uh, they've been playing better. Josh Allen is is better right now than I thought maybe he was ever going to be. He can move. He, he He's very versatile. Like, I, I didn't think he could run like this. He's mobile. Uh, they don't have a lot of playmakers there, but they're a tough team. They have a tough defense, and the Lions are just miserable on the road. Um, and... Those are going to be the two games I play this weekend. And before I hand it off to you, as Monique was mentioning, there are just some strange games this week when you look at the spreads. Some bad teams heavily favored. Like the Jag, I I, I can't play this game, but the Jags are seven and a half point favorites. The Falcons are, are even like nine point favorites. But, you know, they're playing the cards and the Jags are playing the Redskins with their, you know, that now a fourth string quarterback. So I can't necessarily go against them. But I just look at those games and think, and I don't know if those teams should be necessarily favored by that many points. I'm, I'm still going to stay away from them. But the, those games definitely, I, I notice going, dang, can Jacksonville be favored by more than a touchdown against anyone? They don't score. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tricky point spreads this week. You got a lot of weather coming into play. You have teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, teams that are fighting for a uh, first overall <laughs> selection. And, well, in the and draft that's what's great about year. now is that everybody's you know? still, nobody's, so far ahead that they're able to clinch and sit right now. No, no, and no, and there's no big discrepancy so uh, discrepancy so far. Like the the Chiefs got to play a big game against the Chargers. Uh, the Rams got to, and the Saints both got to keep playing because they're trying to secure the number one overall seat. As you mentioned, Dallas would love to to try to usurp you know the Bears and and maybe get a better matchup. So there's a lot going on still. You know, everybody's got stuff to play for still. Um, yeah, whether you're looking to lock down the first seed in, in the uh, in the playoffs or you're looking to get the first overall pick in next year's draft, you know, everybody's playing for something right now. And, you know, you have some divisional matchups this week. You have some interconference matchups this week. How uh, many games for you? You were 2-0 and oh last week, so now you're 2-3. Yeah, so I, uh, I was 2-1, so 23-15-2. Still nice uh, nice numbers for the both of us. We've had another, another solid weekend. You had a really good one again. Uh, how many games for you? So at 25, 25, 9, and 3, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? Should I sit so I don't get that 10th loss? And I'm like, well, no, Ted, we Ted, Ted, what would Ted Williams do? You one game well, a year. What a would week. Ted Williams do? We, those are the rules. Ted Williams would go and yeah, play a double rules. header. So I'm going with four games this awesome. week. Good, I'm go. not a wuss. 
No. I'm not going to get that 10th loss. I'm going to get to 30 wins, and I'm going to do it by playing Baltimore minus eight this week. I think that you're right. There, there's some big lines out there, but I, I, you know, Tampa, they've already mailed it in. They're coming from sunny Florida, going into a cold weather environment. I think Baltimore shellacks them after what happened to them getting hosed in Kansas City. Atlanta minus nine. I agree with you on Buffalo. I think Detroit's kind of mailed it in as well. Buffalo's got something to play for, which is momentum going into next year. And New England, they're not going to lose two straight. They're going to put the nail in the coffin into the Pittsburgh Steelers season. That line, I believe, is minus two. So four plays, two big spreads, two smaller ones, Baltimore minus eight, Atlanta minus nine, Buffalo minus two, New England minus two. That's where I'm going to get my 29th win heading into week 16. So those are Mike's plays. He has four. I have two. Monique had four. We didn't get a whole lot uh, of an opportunity to talk about the player movement, Mike. The winter, uh, MLB winter meetings are happening right now, and we've seen a lot of player movement so far in the last couple of weeks. Goldschmidt to St. Louis, Corbin to the Nationals, Cano and Diaz to the Mets, Segura to the Phillies, and McCutcheon also, Paxton to the Yanks, Donaldson to the Braves. The Dodgers made a little move get with uh, Joe Kelly earlier on. Um, are there any ones that uh, that you you can think of that I've missed? But we'll, you know, we'll talk I, about it more le- next week. Harper yeah, I think Chato we're going to have might... to spend some time on it next week because we got yeah, 30 we seconds. Yeah, we've only got a few close, seconds. But but the point that's... is we're loving the action, the activity, the energy that's going on with baseball right now. Definitely want to spend some time talking about it next week. And, um, yeah, it'll be very intriguing to see what happens with the Harper-Machado sweepstakes. Yeah, that's we'll uh, that's be very intriguing. You know, I, I, the dominoes are going to fall right after. You know, McCutcheon's deal, I think they say, was kind of the 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 impetus the to a lot more uh, happening. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Once again, thank you for listening. Get in on that contest, that Capital One Bowl Mania contest. It'll be a lot of fun. It's free, and it'll be something to give you to follow along all these bowl games, the meaningless ones as well as the biggies. We'll see you same time next, same place next week. Sports fans, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.